This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Welcome back to the Heroes of HP12, the Wick and Wanderers podcast powered by the fans. I'm Michael Kenny, joined as usual by Adam Cooper and Damien Farrar-Hockley. Loads of football to talk about this week, as well as an intriguing internal shake-up with our ownership group. We start, however, with this past Saturday's action against local rivals Oxford United. A goalless draw, but another pulsating match between the two sides, who in any other season would be fiercely contesting for promotion or playoffs. Uh, Guys, very much a game of two halves. I think we had the best chances of the first while Oxford came on strong towards the end. Nil-nil feels fair given the balance of play, but once again, the boys left their finishing boots at home. Uh, What did you make of the performance and the result? Exactly that. I think you've hit the uh, the nail on the head, Michael. We performed really well. Um, Just that frustration. How many times this season have we said we've got to be more clinical? this week was more about opposition goalkeeper being very, very good. He was good at their place as well, wasn't he? Um, made two or three really, really good saves. Um, and the positive is we are still creating chances. And and this looks to be us now as far as the, the way we play and the way that we're attacking, which is certainly a positive thing. Before, we didn't really have an identity, did we? We were just sort of swinging from match to match, not really knowing what to accept. But there's four or five games now on the trot. The performance has been the same. Um, and the um, the sort of outcome has been uh, has been far more positive. So, yeah, I'm happy. But um, we've just got to start being more clinical. When you look at the run of games that we've got coming up, um, you know, there's, there's an opportunity there against, you know, the likes of Cheltenham, um, Carlisle, Reading, um, to try and put the ball in the back of the net a few times. But there's also some tough fixtures tied in there. Um, and I think for for confidence, um, we really need to start putting some of those chances away. But yeah, this is certainly a great starting place. Good performance against a good side. And, uh, and let's hope it's a sign of things to come. I don't know if I'm alone in thinking that all the way through the game, I thought we're not going to lose this game. We just looked at the way we played. We had a bit of confidence. We had a bit of swagger about us. And yes, they had a few chances. We should have been 3-0 up at half-time. 
if David Taylor was able to not kick it straight at the goalkeeper twice, we had, that that's two goals straight away. One yard either side. It, it's all it takes. Um, it was so frustrating. And then, heaven knows what the baller was doing in front of goal. Where he just decided to not kick it in. And uh, and but so those those go in. Game's over. Uh, I don't care how how good Oxford have been this season. I didn't actually at one point think that even if they score, we wouldn't get one back. So I never actually thought we were going to lose the game. That's how how impressed I was with the performance. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about the Labala miss. Uh, it was, I mean, I, I possibly the miss of the season so far. It will definitely be a contender at the end of the season. He's obviously, you know, he, he needs that goal, doesn't he, to really get uh, his Wickham career uh, going. Um, but to be fair to the lad, it was coming at him pretty fast. Uh, it's one of those where you've seen you've seen those opportunities missed by some of the best strikers in the world. So you know it was one of those kind of head in hands moments. It's a howler for sure, but you know not too much pressure on the lad. I think his performances since he's joined us have been very very impressive. He's he's very um, he's very important to that hyper-aggressive press that we're enjoying seeing at the moment. So, yeah, um, not too not too annoyed about that. The, the Del Taylor misses, though, um, there was one instance where, as you mentioned, Damo, he kind of, he just, the keeper's butt on the ground, like towards the, towards the right-hand post. All Dale has to do is just tap it, like a yard away from the goalkeeper, and it would have been a goal. But he didn't. It was straight at the goalkeeper. Very, very frustrating. Um, Del Taylor. I mean, I've mentioned him a number of times on this podcast before. Uh, it's a love-hate relationship at this point. His hold-up play, his footwork, the stuff that he does in that number ten role, absolutely exquisite, and he's fantastic in that role. But if he could add finishing, if he could add finishing to his game, he's a Premiership player. One hundred percent a Premiership player. If he if he scores a few goals, um, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to uh, pile in on Lubala because. He has been playing very well for us, like you say. It's just, I just don't understand the miss. Um, but yeah, um, and Taylor has been, since he moved into the role he's in now, has been a revelation. Um, we found his position. You've just got to do that final part. And the only thing about I'll say, say about Saturday is the game screamed out for Sam Vokes. Really did. Yeah, I'm probably going to get <clears throat> shot down here and have people threatening to kill my cat on Twitter, but as much as we all like him and the story's amazing, etc., 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 that kind of game just isn't Kono's kind of game, is it? We need a striker with experience um, coming off the bench in, in that example. Um, I almost... My first substitution probably would have been to maybe take Taylor off, put Bez in at number 10, um, and put Kone on behind him, um, or or play two up top. But I, I don't think we're ever going to do that. Um, the Labala miss it was a bad one, but like you say, Michael, it was coming across the goal quite quickly. I think he's just done too. He's just overthought it. Mm. He's just opened his body up too much. He, he almost literally just needed to throw a leg at it. If he throws a leg at it, it goes in. Um, he's just been too cute with it. It'll come. Um, look, new players there. He's desperate to score. He's obviously desperate to impress, and that's great to see. Um, we've seen nothing but energy and high-octane activity from him, so I'm really, really happy with him. 
But um, but yeah, I just feel like had we had Vokes to come on in that last sort of 20 minutes rather than Kone, we would have seen a different result to that game. Um, I don't think that Kone's at a position in his, in his career yet where he's just able to to add that that really kind of aggressive goal threat. I think what he does offer is is effort in abundance, um, the ability to you know press really high and be really busy and and get involved with play. But um, you know he's like a child running around his knees. He's so happy that he's a professional footballer, but at the same time, I just think that he 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 just lacks that little bit of nous, that little bit of sense at the. Uh, at the top end of the pitch. And I think that's something that we missed on Saturday that, uh, that like you say, Damo Vokes, he probably would have brought us. I mean, looking at the stats, your your favourite thing, Adam, um, I'm, I'm really encouraged by the performance in numbers. I mean, I mean, you, you, all you need to do is use your eyes, as we like to say. Um, we were all over Oxford in the first half. And overall, it was a very, very impressive performance. Looking at the stats, 46% possession. We don't look at that one too much. But uh, we outshot them, outshot them on target. Eight corners to their three, 10 fouls. To their four. Let's not look at fouls. But we were aggressive. We were consistently aggressive over the course of the game as well. We were able to withstand uh, their pressure later on in the game as they grew into it. I mean, this is... Uh, the reason why I bring up the stats is obviously we have to. I'm always reminded of the graphic before the uh, the playoff final win, where it was uh, all of our stats were bottom of the league and all of Oxford's stats were top of the league. And I, I think that the golf has definitely narrowed. The golf has always never really been there in terms of the the performances on the pitch, but the the numerical and the analytical side of things that golf seems to be shrinking for sure with the type of football that we're playing under Matt Bloomfield. It does, yeah. It's much higher risk football, isn't it? I mean, you know, under Ainsworth, you always backed us to win almost from any position. You know, there were games under Ainsworth where we're doing terribly at half time with two or three nil down, and we're still all saying, well, we could come back into this. Blooms plays a higher risk type of football. Um, and, and you know, that's it's more entertaining to watch. It's a bit more like sort of down the John Gorman style of football, isn't it? Where yeah. you, you score five goals, we'll score four. It's kind of balls out proper football um <clears throat> you know don't don't want to criticize gaz i think he's done an awful lot for us but we've been very very spoilt with results but performance and analytics isn't was never at the forefront of what he done i think when you look at what blooms is trying to do particularly since january when he's brought these new players in he's trying to press high he's trying to press aggressively um because ultimately if you're pressing high and you can win the ball high up the pitch the the percentage game says that there's less chance that the opposition are going to score. And when you look at our results <clears throat> since Christmas, you know, we haven't had, we haven't conceded loads of goals. In fact, before, even before Christmas, we weren't conceding loads of goals. We weren't getting whooped every week. Um, it was just a bit turgid. We weren't really ever getting going. I think when you look at that subspench on Saturday um, and also the players missing, there was some real strength on that bench. Um and that's a, a really, really positive thing going into going into the last part of the season with a potential Wembley trip as well, let's hope. Um, that squad size is is really going to be tested. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's all positive as far as I'm concerned. And, and I just think that, that the style of football that we're playing, sometimes we're just going to have to accept that our strikers aren't Premier League strikers and that we are going to miss chances. And we're missing more because we're creating more, whereas before... 
a long ball up pitch taken down by Bayo, rolling somebody in is a much simpler way of playing. Um, and yeah, obviously we had a lot more experienced players in the latter years under Ainsworth, whereas, whereas you know, your Kone's, your Labalas, your, your Sadly as well, so they've got, you know, maybe a, a hundred games under their belt. They haven't got four, five, six hundred games um, like your Bayos did, like your, your Joe Jacobsons did, like your Anthony Stewart's did, etc. Who were who were stalwarts under Gaz. So it's a massive change from where we have been. Um, really attractive football. It's really nice to watch us pressing aggressively and actually taking games two sides, regardless of how good they are. And let's see where it gets us at the end of the season. But like we said before, I think there's going to be a big rebuild again in the se- in the uh, in the summer. I think we'll see some of those old, older players leave, and I think we'll see some more young legs coming into the team, which can only be a positive thing going into next year. I think when you address the style of play, it has got like more attractive to watch. Yes, we do. The, the old long ball goes forward, but I've under Ainsworth, we never pass as much as we are, we're doing now. It was much more direct Group One football, um, but our team is still, especially the guys who are there under Ainsworth, are still adapting into that style of football this season. You carry on playing it for the rest of the season, yeah, finish mid-table-ish. Next season, you push on because then you know they'll be it'll be ingrained in them. You know, footballers, whilst they don't get the greatest press for being the most intelligent in the world, you put a style of play in front of them, they'll learn it. And they'll learn it inside out, which is why getting rid of the Ainsworth tactics is still something that's within our game. I mean, you look at Tafazoli, every time he gets a ball, he wants to play a cross-field pass, long long ball. Um, he, he's just starting now to start to look for a pass inside or something like that. But, yeah, I, I think Matty, Matty is uh, putting his style of football into the game, but um, our players have just got to get used to it. Do it for the rest of the season, like I said. And I think it'll start to bear fruit come next season. You have to remember with Ainsworth as well, that took like eight years. Well, yeah, get, it did, yeah. For him to get that right. Um, and there was never really any pressure on him because there was no expectation. Blooms has got pressure on him because of the results another manager's got, which doesn't seem entirely fair to me. Yeah, Ainsworth was, was punching well above his weight and, and getting players to run through brick walls for him. But, but actually... It took Ainsworth eight years to get us there. You know, it wasn't all sweetness and lights and shits and giggles under Ainsworth. You know, I remember looking back and that squad that had the likes of, you know, Max Kretschmar and and various other young players who didn't really go on to do anything in their career. Um, you know, it, it wasn't all fun to watch. And I think, you know, recency bias is very, very easy. We all remember the good times. We all remember getting to the championship under Ainsworth. But, but actually, I genuinely believe had we gone to the championship playing more like this style of football where there is an ability to go long if we need to, but also to keep hold of the ball and to press aggressively, we probably would have stayed there. Um, so, yeah, I just think it's going to take Bloom's time to to get this absolutely 100% right. But, but since the beginning of Jan, we seem to, we seem to have an identity. Um, we seem to have a way of playing. Um, and that seems to be pretty consistent. Um, you know, regardless of the personnel on the pitch, it seems to be pretty consistent. Whereas it seemed at the beginning of the season, he had a way of playing, but he only had 10 or 11 players who could play it. Um, and the rest of them were just sort of filling holes, if you like. But no, it, I 
I think it's really, really positive at the minute. And um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to what the rest of the season's got to come. Very positive for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, we do need to give Oxford some credit. And, and also, we, we also need to mention that uh, a bit of a lucky escape for you, Adam, given the fact that you made that ridiculous <laughs> bet last week. No no yellow shirt in sight, even though this is a podcast and you can't see. I do personally think, though, that in the event of a draw, that you should have been forced to have done it anyway, and the person you did the bet with should have won the Wickham shirt, a la that episode of The Simpsons where... Well. Uh, yeah, so so I expected to see it. Lockie's threatened to ban him, though. You threatened to ban him, and, and Dan's not here. They're just between the two of us. Lockie's gone into school and uh, and agreed to roll it over to the next time we play with his mate. So oh, there's no. there's me oh, thinking. what? There's oh. me thinking, oh, it's all over. I'm not going to do that again. Oh. And there's Lockie like, saying, yeah, my daddy will wear an Oxford shirt if you beat us next time. So, look, we're just going to have to keep beating him. Yeah. Um, that's the only, that's it's the a, only it, cure. Very, very, very good incentive for that to continue. Um, yeah, but yeah, giving right. giving Oxford some credit, as we mentioned, uh, their keeper, uh, James Cumming, on loan from Chelsea, uh, absolute blinder all afternoon. Very, very difficult uh, for us to find a way through. In fact, well, we weren't able to, were we? But he was very good. We can't make him the hero of the match, however, because uh, well, that's an honour reserved for our boys. Uh, so in that in that regard, who are we going with as our hero of the match for Oxford? I've been racking my brains for this. There was a lot of good performances. Um, and it, it, in a performance where we've spoken about how well we pressed and, and how good we were going forward, um, I've actually looked at somebody at the back because I think when Oxford really started to, to put their foot to the floor and, and put us under some danger, uh, under some pressure, sorry, um, I think Joe Lowe was absolutely imperious. Um and if Tafazoli is a Rolls Royce of a defender, this kid's very, very slowly turning into a Welsh red Ferrari. Um, he he looks every bit the international footballer in the last four or five games, and he's shown shown snippets of it in the in the early parts of the season. But he's really growing into himself. Um, it just shows what a run of games with a consistent partner can do for somebody. Um, yeah, for me, Joe Lowe was just absolutely outstanding again. For Damo to turn around and say, I never thought we were going to lose a game. I've literally, in 25 years of watching football with him, never heard him say that. And I think a lot of that is because we did look so solid at the back. It's, it's like you've read my mind. Um, I said a long time ago that we need to start getting players playing in partnerships. Lowe and Tafazoli look like they are the real deal. Um, not since the likes of, well, I, I don't know who to, who to pick from the past that could... Uh, fit into this uh, equation like like those two do um, but yeah on Saturday I think Joe Lowe was a cut above and he's my hero of the match as well I mean, he was he was voted man of the match for uh, for that very reason. Uh, a rock solid performance at the back, and uh, yeah, really liking that partnership that seems to be blossoming between him and Tafazoli. At the start of the season, when he came into the club and with those early performances, I initially thought that it was going to be uh, Low and uh, Farino that were going to be that rock solid defensive partnership. But obviously, with Farino being injured, uh, that's obviously not happened. But still potential given you know the, the changing systems i do also want to give um uh josh uh, a shout out obviously back in the squad for the first time since new year uh i mean no rust on that boy whatsoever i mean he played like uh like that injury was nothing and um i one thing i wanted to say earlier is i do think that you know we're playing with a very different philosophy than we used to but a player that fit really well in both systems 
was Josh. He could play really well. He, he was a linchpin in Ainsworth's side. He's integral to this Bloom side. And uh, with with him in the side, obviously uh, Butcher had been filling the position in his absence. But I think Scowan really gives us that platform where we can push on because we know that you know if if there's a long ball put over the press, if the press is beaten, then we've got the mob to uh to to come in and save the day. So so really glad to see him back, and I'm sure we'll talk about him more in a bit. Um, I actually want to put um Kieran Sadler as the the hero of the match for for Saturday. Uh, he's been uh absolutely fantastic the last uh the last few weeks. Um, and and he gave he he ran the Oxford defence ragged in that first half, and uh, he's he's, I mean look. We said it on the pod when he first joined. He was off to a very slow start, as you have said on many occasions, Adam. But he's won us all over. And that performance on Saturday was just another example of just what he brings to this side and his aggression up front. And, um, you know, I'm I'm not sure what the deal is that he's signed with the club. It seems to be a short term. I think we need to secure that boy down on a long term contract for sure. I was almost picking him. He was sort of probably third on the list for me, behind the, the uh, two centre-backs. Um, you could see when he went off. He left everything on the pitch. There was, he had nothing left. That's why they had to bring him off when they did. Um, but yeah, like you say, he's just got better and better as the season's gone on. And yeah, throw, throw a contract at him right now. Get him, get him there for at least next season, if not longer. Yeah, do you know what's really nice about Sads as well? Like... Standing out in the freezing cold every weekend, obviously you see all the players coming out. When he first came, he was very shy, sort of head down, didn't really talk to anybody, always on his own. Um, now when he's there, he's coming out with who I presume is his missus, carrying a little one. Um, like It's almost like he's just kind of settled into life at Wickham. Um, and we've spoken before about how these guys are ultimately just normal human beings. You know, they're not earning two, three, four hundred thousand pounds on the club aren't able to put them up in the Lowry like we can in uh, in the or, or like Premier League clubs can, and um, it must be really really difficult for players like that to come out of one environment straight into another, completely different way of playing football, completely different surroundings, um, particularly when you've not had had a pre season with them. Um, so you know, in hindsight, perhaps perhaps it was a bit harsh on him at the beginning, but you you can only speak as you find, particularly at this level, when you don't get the opportunity of seeing these players week in, week out for their clubs. Um, but look, he's, whatever's happened, he has really proved that he can be a a, a very, very important part of, of, I genuinely believe, any squad in League One. Um, and if he is only on a, on a short-term deal, there would be no better signing than going and sealing him in for next year because he's been absolutely fantastic since the turn of the year. Um, is quick, is aggressive, is direct. Um, you know, the one little criticism that I think is 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 fair crit- criticism is sometimes his his final ball lets him down, but um, but other than that, I think he's a top top player, and and along with Labala, he's he's really influential in that in that high aggressive press. Top top player indeed. Uh, 
previews we've got three matches to uh to have a look at so three sets of predictions uh lots of five threes i imagine from our absent dan uh we start with cup action if you're wondering why you're getting this podcast a day early it's because on wednesday most of us will be heading up north for bristol street motor trophy action we take on bradford city in the semi-final of the cup a trip to wembley against either blackpool or peterborough being the coveted prize for the winners uh lads a fourth trip to Wembley in less than a decade on the line but before we start booking the train to London we've got Bradford to go through a lot has changed for them since we last faced off with Graham Alexander improving results since taking over in November um, assuming there are no injury worries from Saturday obviously Vokes we missed Vokes and uh, we, we know that Farino's injured at the moment but I mean as, as we've said earlier loads and loads of options at the moment for this game um Given the fact that we have, in the earlier rounds anyway, tended to lean on youth, I mean, in in the later rounds we've we've put out quite a strong side. Um, let's um, what what kind of side do you want to see us put out on Wednesday night? Who do you want to see start? I think it'll be strong. It'll be strong regardless. I mean, obviously Labala can't play because um, he's cup tied, isn't he? So he's on comms, I think, with Phil. Um, but in my mind, I'm kind of thinking. You know, Max started in the last round, so I'm guessing that we're going to see Max at the back. Um, you know, then left back, we know that um, KV Wise had um, had injury doubts and has been in that red zone that Bloom so often speaks about, so so he might miss out. Um, you know, Leahy possibly pop in there. Um, two centre-backs, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Um Jack Grimmer, I think, has, hasn't had enough said about him. It's been absolutely outstanding. Um, <clears throat> and again, if it ain't broken, don't fix it. Um, I think perhaps Scown and Potts in midfield is is working well, as long as Josh has got it in his legs after that layoff. Um, if not, then then I would imagine Potts and Butcher. Uh, and then the front three, I think it's probably going to be GMAC, Sadlier, Taylor. And then maybe Kone out front. Um, but yeah, I think it'll be strong. I don't think we'll see um, some of the younger boys in this time. Um, first of all, because I think most of them have gone out on loan. Secondly, I think we're now in a semi-final. Um, you know, the, the under-21 teams are out. We're playing against proper professionals. And regardless of whether or not they're in League 2, um, they're flying. I was actually out with a with a Bradford fan having some lunch last week, one of our suppliers. And, um, and she was saying how, how brilliantly they played over the last two or three weeks. So um, it's going to be a tough game. I would think there'll be a big crowd in there as well. So um, I think we need to go as strong as possible. What do you reckon, Damo? The only way, the only thing I can think that might change from what you just said is obviously we've got uh, doubts over Gavey Wise um, fitness. What about, Putting in young, young Mr. Early. Yeah, I don't know what's happening with him. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's oh, a bit like if, um, he, if he's fit, I, I put him in. And yeah. also, also, I know he's been playing the last two or three games, but then he got he had an injury as well. I would be tempted to put Jasper right back, yeah, just to possibly. give. You got to think ahead of the game we've got on Saturday. It's going to be a tough one, mm. and I'm not sure. You know, we don't want to. We don't want to overwork. The uh, the 
fullbacks. Yeah, me. Jason McCarthy is the other one who might come in. I guess isn't it? I mean, he could. He could come in. Yeah. yeah Jasper's not been anywhere near the bench. You know, nor we've seen Saxon on the bench once. Um, the other one is the lad from West Ham. Oh well, um, yeah, he's still around. I can't even remember his name. Gideon, is it Kadua? Gideon Kadua. Kadua, yeah. Um, Kadua, yeah, yeah. He, he made a made a substitute appearance, and and we haven't seen anything of him. I think he'll be cup tied anyway, but he will be. Yeah, yeah, because I mean, he played for West Ham. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got so we've got so many options. Um, like you say, you know, you could also make an argument. You know, JJ, I think, has been almost an ever present since coming back from injury in this competition. Could also yeah. make an argument for playing JJ at left back, um, and especially if you're gonna if you're gonna rest Jack with with all of his problems. You know, does JJ come in as your captain? Um, yeah, with Jason McCarthy or or like you say, Jasper at right back, and um, and you put Luke on the bench re- ready yeah. to come in for either um, Josh if he can't do the ninety minutes or or, or the left back if they're struggling. Yeah, um, no, we we've got options, but. I, I just think we should think about. Yes, it's, it'll be great to get to Wembley, but Saturday's game is going to be a battle, and we've just got to think about: can they go through two battles in space of four days? Well, we also need to think about the fact that we're also playing on Tuesday, so this is three games in less than a week. Um, I mean, I want to get to Wembley as much as everyone else, but and and Jack has been phenomenal uh, for for much of the season. You know, you, you want to stick with what works, don't you? You absolutely do. It's that same calf as well. That's what worries me with Jack. I love the boy to bits, but it's that same calf that he done at the yeah. beginning of the season. It just makes me so nervous. Three games in a week. I wouldn't be playing him tomorrow night. Mm. Put it that way. I'd have him. Just, I'd have him as an off the bench. I'll put him on the bench by all yeah. means. Yeah, I I do like what uh, what you mentioned in in terms of having. I mean, I do. That's a bit of an old school um, uh, pairing, isn't it? Having JJ and uh, McCarthy as your left and right back. Um, I if they're both fit and they're both able to make it, I'd start with them. Um, the centre backs, I I would. I mean, again, you 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 need, you know, you need to think about Saturday as, as a real consideration. Uh, and it's going to be physical, isn't it? You know, do you, do you risk Taffer in that game, knowing full well that any kind of knock could have him out of the next two games? I don't know. I don't know. But we do have the depth. We have options. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already been booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points at the death. Who doesn't love a last minute winner? Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, there's certainly options there. Um, and and look, how, how many times have we been able to sit down and and name three, almost three players for each position? Um, I mean, you know, we could start with Kane, Vincent Young, JJ, or Early, or even Leahy at left back. We could start with Lowe, Tafazoli, Big Nige. You know, we haven't even mentioned Big Nige. This guy's played 30 times for Plymouth in a promotion season last season in League and One. And he plays on the right. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, he could, he, he, he could play right back. He could play centre back. Um, we've spoken about Leahy, Butcher, Scowan, Potts in the middle, GMAC, Sadlier, Kone, Vokes, um, Taylor. Again, Leahy could play as a 10. Um, you know, the. There are so many options. Um, I just like that idea of, I guess it's a bit of a romance, isn't it? I think JJ has missed out on football just because we know that his legs have gone a little bit. He hasn't got the pace that he used to have. But, you know, what better way to sign off than captain in the team to a to a Wembley place? I think that that would be a really, a really nice gesture. And look, we're not here to hand out gestures, but I think he's still perfectly capable of playing at that level. I think what we've got to just consider is just look at their team, look at their, how they play. Have they got a quick right winger? That, that for me is whether you play JJ or not. If they have, it could be a real weakness. Because JJ is a club legend, but if they've got a quick right winger, I'm, I, I can't play him. I can't, I can't have him in there. You say the same against, about Leahy, though. Um, you could also say the same about... He's got a bit more pace than JJ, though, hasn't he? You could also say the same about early. You know, he's unproven. He's not been fit. He hasn't played co- co- competitive football. Um, you know, I just think, and look, we don't know what what sort of team Bradford are going to put out. Um, but I just think, yeah, if you're going to rest Jack, then then who better to push into that left back position than uh, than JJ in this kind of climate? At, look, like I say, we've got so many options. Who knows? you could literally throw all their names up in the air and the first 11 that come down, you could pick them and it would be good enough to go toe-to-toe with Bradford tomorrow. But, but let's wait and see. But yeah, it'd be, be very interesting to see that lineup at 7 o'clock tomorrow. It's a beautiful problem to have, having this abundance of talent. Um, but Bradford, you know, we, we can't ignore them. They're not going to be pushovers. Uh, we met them earlier on in the season in the FA Cup. Um, but but since then, since that win, you know, they've really enjoyed an upturn in form, as we have said. Uh, they've won their last three league games, uh, including wins over Wrexham and uh, a 4-0 thrashing of MK. So with that in mind, given the, the squad options that we have, whatever goes out, what are we going with in terms of a score prediction for Wednesday night? Um, I think, just, just going back to quickly what you just said about, can't forget Bradford, I've just had a look. They've got a tough away game on Saturday as well, so they may not play their full side. Uh, they're going to Barrow. Um, prediction? 1-0 to us. Yeah, it's going to, look, it's going to be tough. It's definitely going to be tight. Um, it's just two sides who, who don't concede a lot of goals. I mean, for some context, Bradford's last five games, 1-0 against Sutton, 4-0 against MK, 1-0 against Wrexham, 0-0 against AFC Wimbledon, 1-0 against Doncaster. 
Um, they don't concede many goals. Um, and, you know, even the game before that, um, away at Swindon, they only lost 2-0. Um, so they're not getting dipped. Whereas you look back at, at our results, you know, we, we conceded two against Fleetwood. We conceded one against Cheltenham. Um, you know, you'd almost expect us to concede against Bolton and Peterborough. Um, but there has been some defensive frailties um, there until until that game on Saturday. Um, I've got a horrible feeling that this is going all the way. Um, I'm going to say 1-1 one, one, um, and then the lottery of penalties. Um, and I think, um, you know, super, super Luke to uh, to redeem his recent misfortunes from the spot. Um, Straight to penalties, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, so yeah there's no yeah. extra time. Um, so, yeah, I think Super Luke to redeem his, uh, his, his recent woes and um, and a, a narrow win on pens. Yeah, I'm, I'm going with you with on that exact same prediction. Um, I think it's going to be tense. We never do it the easy way, do we? And uh, I, I ultimately, I, I, I hope that we'll get to Wembley. Um, but I also think that we'll get there too. We've, we've uh, obviously got history at Valley Parade this season. Uh, it will be massively busy there, no doubt. It'll be a packed crowd. Uh, I'm sure they'll really want to get behind the boys, and it'll be a, a very fun atmosphere. But yeah, one all. Um, I think it's got a one all all over it. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we will uh, beat them on penalties and progress to Wembley. It should be fun no matter what happens. Uh, change could be afoot with news of some directorial changes within Feliciana EFL Limited, Rob Kuhig's company, which currently holds a 90% stake in the club. As reported online, Rob's wife, Michelle Kuhig, better known to us as Missy, has resigned from Feliciana EFL Limited as of February 12th. Um, now, guys, this is something we try not to do on this podcast. We, we don't really want to go into wild theories. We try really hard not to speculate and, and get into kind of unfounded rumors and things like that but this is posted on company's house this is a pretty big development considering missy's position on the board uh, we also know that pete has resigned from uh wick and wanderers in terms of the uh, the company wick and wanderers um guys what do you make of these changes and uh without wildly speculating what what do we think this could mean for the club moving forward uh, yeah, as you know, I've got a, a little bit of experience in my previous job working with, um, with wealthy Americans who are invested in the UK, particularly in a limited company structure. So I've got a little bit of knowledge about it. My gut feeling says um, there's probably a little bit of tax planning there, um, particularly as um, you know they're all related um, and they've got numerous shared assets. Um, I don't think it's anything to be concerned about. It could well be as well that you know there's there's some sort of investment on the way, um, and you know this is in preparation of that. Um, if there was an investment, it'd be highly likely that it'd be supported by a an NDA um, or non-disclosure agreement. So I'm not surprised about the fact that we haven't we haven't heard anything about it. Um, but it's a really unusual setup, isn't it? Because although Feliciana have 90% of the voting rights. Um, they're only going to have have one director sitting on the board of the football club, whereas the trust, who have ten percent of the voting rights, will have two. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's an unusual setup, um, but I don't think there is anything to be concerned about whatsoever. Um, 
yeah, I've seen some of the most ridiculous statements um, made on Twitter. It does just seem to be that there's a a, a culture of moan for the sake of moaning. Um, why should somebody expected to? Uh, why should somebody be expected to come out and and talk about their personal financial situation? Why should somebody be expected to come out publicly and discuss their tax affairs? And why would they want to? To be perfectly honest. Um, this is definitely going to be something as, you know, the constitution hasn't changed. They're not all of a sudden pulling the money out. Um, like I say, my gut feeling is that there's a, a very, very simple explanation. Um, bottom line is, first of all, it's nothing to do with us personally. What somebody else does with their money or their tax. Rob is a very highly qualified American lawyer. Um, and as we've said many, many times before, this family have only done good for this football club um that lit that imaginary list of things that you want your your football club owner to do you know back your manager he's done be loyal to your manager don't sack him at the first sign of uh the first sign of a problem he's done communicate with the fans he does regularly keep investing he does regularly look rob and missy aren't going to risk the money that they've put into this football club um for without very very good reason um and i am not remotely concerned in the slightest um i think there are certain times where people should be allowed a certain amount of flexibility and allowed a certain amount of privacy um none of us mere mortals normal people would want our our financial or tax affairs discussed in public um and and i think that that Rob, Missy and Pete should be um, allowed the same respect um, as anybody else. Um, so look, I don't want to, um, I don't want to guess. That's what I suspect is probably the issue. Um, I, you know, I trust Rob 100% um, and the family. Um, and I think eventually it will come out in the wash and we'll see that, that there's nothing to be concerned about. What I do want to say is that there are a lot of uninformed people with the loudest opinions. I count myself as one of those uninformed people. I don't know exactly what's going on, but I'm not going to go out there and start saying things that yeah, the thing about is, a family. Up, you're not jumping up and down on Twitter. Yeah. There's been um, a panic. There's been a panic on social media by a few people who really don't know what they're talking about. And I, well, as I count myself as one of those people who don't know about it, I'm not, we shouldn't be doing this sort of thing. Just let... It will, like Adam says, it will all come out in the wash eventually. We'll find out what's gone on, and then, then we can start making opinions about it. But if you don't know, don't say anything. I do. Uh, I obviously just want to just balance this out for for the sake of discussion. Um, I obviously people on Twitter. I mean, it's Twitter. Come on, um, but I, I do. Ha- I do. I can see where some of the kind of trepidation and questioning might come from. Ultimately, you know, these people, they are public figures. They're public figures over in the States and they're public figures here with their affairs in a, in a professional football club. They're, they're not treated with the same and they're not going to be held to the same standard as us because of this privilege that they have. Um, but at the end of the day, it's some change. I mean, Companies' house changes like every five seconds. I mean, all you need to do is just go and look at the the real time feed of of business information changing, and it's, the companies change all the time, right? Yeah. Um. This doesn't. I the where I kind of 
draw the line really i guess i can't even say draw a line where where i would err on the side of caution and just being a bit grown up is not jumping to wild conclusions just because something has has changed um it's it's just part of life business always changes and uh, we, we have absolutely no idea what the what the ramifications are. I mean, you mentioned, Adam, the, the kind of weird scenario where essentially there's now just one member from Feliciana represented on the trust board, but it's still a member that holds 90% of the shares. The club, yeah, so, the club board, sorry. Of the club board, yeah. But essentially, I imagine that just means that in, in the event of votes, then there's just going to be some sort of weighting system added to, to, to those votes. Yeah, I guess so. Look, this may well be, and like, I don't want to surmise too much, but this may well be if there is some investment coming in in the future, even if somebody's going to buy 50% shares and then have 50% voting rights, it may well be that somebody doesn't want to sit on a board with a man, his wife and his nephew because he feels like that he's putting his money in and his, his opinion is going to mean less because he's being beaten up by three people who have all got a, yeah. a relationship. Um it may well just be, like I say, you know, a bit of tax efficiency. The American tax laws are very, very complicated. You have to pay tax on your worldwide assets in America, um, which you know, isn't something that I understand enough to talk about in loads and loads of detail. But it may well just be, you know, tax planning. Um, and look, these, Rob said it himself. They're not getting any younger. Um, you know, they need to have sensible plans to be able to exit the business in the cleanest way possible and it could well just be a bit of future briefing a bit of tax planning um and planning for the next the next part of their wicker wanderers adventure you know and like you say i think we just all need to be a little bit grown up no they're not held to the same account as us but i think that they should be afforded the same respect as everybody else you know we don't sit here and talk about players salaries and players tax affairs and the manager's salary and the manager's tax affairs um and you could argue that you know their their public profiles are um you know as far as we're concerned their household names so i just think that we need to allow them to have the privacy that you know their human rights allows them um and with their track record, there is absolutely no reason not to trust them. And I'm sure that anything we need to know, we will be told in due course. And I think that's the big takeaway here, right? And as you said, the the, the, the things that they've done for this club since they've taken over, since they've come in, I just don't think... I, there's very short memories on the internet. And I think we just need to remember just what we've done, what they've done for us in in the short time that they've been associated with the football club. Um, they've not, you know, bled us dry. They've not been, as far as we know anyway, asset stripping or anything like that. Everything seems to have been by the by. And uh, no, I, I think that they've done a phenomenal job. And uh, I think, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. That does give them, you know, I think people just need to be a little bit more trusting. Yeah, trust they put at least, at least four million quid of their own money in. Yeah, um, there's every chance we wouldn't exist if they they hadn't come in and helped yeah, well, us like that. Yeah, we wouldn't, and you know, the, and we the wouldn't people, have had fireworks. No, no, exactly <laughs> right. And that that the people who were on the trust were very, very good people and very, very well intentioned people. But it was no secret that that they didn't have um, as much as they had the uh, the care and the love and the inclination. They didn't have the funds that were required to keep us running as a. Um, as a sustainable football club and look, the, the, the Kuigs have come in. Um, and, you know, although I think, um, probably a bit of, bit of stubbornness on both sides, 
um, I think have have genuine generally done a very very good job, um, and have also allowed us the trust to to remain involved, which which I can't imagine too many owners would wanted to have done, particularly when there's no asset because the biggest asset, the stadium, is owned by somebody else. Um, <clears throat> look, I think um, I think if the Cubs have earned and anything it's just a little bit of respect um and and we know from from previous points that that if there's something that we need to know they will come out and tell us if we don't need to know it they won't tell us and that's fine yeah it'll be interesting to see what happens next um let's get back to football uh whatever the result on wednesday night and regardless of what's going on with the kuhigs our next two games are vital as we look to continue our run of good form. Uh, first up on Saturday is an away trip to this season's dark horse contenders, Stevenage. We return to HP12 the following Tuesday night against Cheltenham Town, less than four weeks since our 3-1 win in the reverse fixture. Uh, makes sense to start with Stevenage. That horrible, horrible defeat earlier in the season is still etched in my brain anyway. Uh, Steve Evans's side have been the surprise side this season. Season, uh, but they've wobbled lately. Currently, winless in their last four. Uh, what are you hoping to see on Saturday? And uh, are you like me, uh, looking for revenge after that horror show back in November? It's one of the reasons I'm going. I just want to see us beat them. <laughs> I just, I just want to see us turn up and actually put in a decent performance, prey on their recent bad form, and just put them in their place. Um, and also, we've been lauded by a lot of people in the playoffs. Like when we were up there and they didn't like it. Stephen is getting the same treatment, uh, but they deserve it because Stephen is a bell end. And I just, I really dislike them. Unfortunately, to go and see us beat them, I've had to put money in, in their pocket. But uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I really am. I just want to do them. That's all I've got. Actually, basic summarization of all the reason I'm going. Just want to do them. <laughs> yeah. I just want to see Steve Evans's big fat beetroot head explode. Um, yeah, I think the way that he's behaved in the last two or three weeks, um, the things that he said just shows that everything that we've said about that man and that football club is, is absolutely true at the moment. This is a football club who who generally speaking, I think were quite well liked um, when they came up from, from non-league originally. Um, yeah, it was a nice local fixture. There was never really any jeopardy with it. Um, and this guy's gone in and single-handedly turned every Stevenage fan into an absolute bellend. Um, I don't know where the self-entitlement has come from. You know, at least with people like Derby and Bolton and Portsmouth, you know, they've they've been at the top end of the game. Um, you know, they've got a bit of a reason to walk with a swagger. Um, Stevenage haven't. Um, and I, I would absolutely love for us to go there, give them a right old C and two, get a couple of really dodgy refereeing decisions and just see the fat controller's head explode. I, I, I've got absolutely no time for them at all. Um, after what happened in the last game, um, I'm putting them in the same box as uh, as Milton Keynes Milton Keynes Dons. Um, wow. I, think a, I think they're a horrible football club, um, supported by horrible people. It's a horrible town, um, and just to make it even worse, they've got a horrible manager to uh, to bottom it off. And look, as as I said before, 
if the only thing that you've got to shout about is that uh, Lewis Hamilton is from the town that you're uh, that you're from, it's not a very exciting place, is it? Let's be perfectly honest. So um, yeah. it's kind of a mark of the a mark of the people that are watching them. But I I don't think I've wanted to win a game this season more than I want to win this one. Um, it's a bit like when when Barton was in charge of Bristol Rovers. You don't care how you beat them; you just want to beat them, um, just to shut him up, really. Um, and yeah, I'm confident that with their their recent lull and our recent pickup in results, I'm confident that we can get something. It's not just us who are motivated for this. I, I you have to believe that the players, uh, given what happened in the reverse fixture, are going to be really up for this one, particularly, uh, particularly Luke, uh, who who suffered that uh, horrible, horrible head injury, but also uh, the, the rest of the boys playing for uh, playing for Brandon. Who, uh, who obviously, uh, as a result of that horrible uh, challenge, uh, his season was taken from him. So lots of motivation uh, from from the team to go and avenge that loss. It's got to be on their minds, hasn't it? Um, the way and the way that it went on in that game earlier in the season, uh, they saw two of their teammates stretched off in pretty bad conditions. It's, it's got to be a motivating factor. I mean, Brandon's around the club doing his rehab and things like that. I would just go get the team and go, look, look at that. He's basically learning to run again. And that is the reason we need to beat Stevenage. Because they did that. And then Luke couldn't play for a while. And he was knocked out. And he was in a really bad way. And Steve Evans then accused us of trying to get the game called off. We never, ever said that. Literally, you could put all these things up on the wall in the change rooms. This is why you have to beat Stevenage. For yourselves, for your teammates. There's so much motivation. It shouldn't be it shouldn't be hard to get them up for the game. It really shouldn't. Yeah, I remember after the game, Richard Keogh, I, I know he's not with us, but um, he came out. I think you were with us, Damo, actually. Um, and he said he's never, ex- he's never experienced a set of supporters behave like the Stevenage fans behaved when Luke was down. Um, he said some of the stuff that was being shouted at Luke from the stands was was sickening, um, and you know I don't know if any of the players listened to this. Um, I don't want to go into too much detail. They would have heard it. They would have heard it firsthand. But um, that's got to be motivation um, to want to go there and want to do them. Um, and look, we'll do it in the right way. We're not the kind of club who are going to go. Yeah, go out and you know, break his legs because he fouled Brandon. It'll be, let's go out, let's play aggressively, let's play with a high press, let's try and nick a couple of goals early on um, and let's do this in the right way. And, and yeah, I'm sure that that regardless of um, of what goes on, the lads will walk off on, um, on Saturday. At, it's not five o'clock anymore, is it? It's more like quarter past five, but they'll walk off having left, um, having left everything out on the pitch um, and done us proud. So uh, record at the Lamex, it's not great. Last win there in the league was almost a decade ago. I obviously, uh, we, we, I know that we have the uh, the one nil win in the cup a couple of seasons ago. I think it was last season actually, but last league win uh, back in two thousand and fourteen. Uh, a bit of a weird thing here. Um, the last time we faced Stevenage was immediately following 
our FA Cup tie against Bradford. So strange kind of uh, a, a reoccurrence of, uh, of fixture list going on there. It's just coincidence, obviously. Um, score predictions for Saturday. Uh, lots of motivation. We want to go out there and smash them, but will we actually smash them? Uh, what are our score predictions for Saturday's game? I don't think we're going to run away with it. I'd love to sit here and do a down and say we're going to win 5-3, but I don't think we are. Um, I think, again, it'll be a bit nip and tuck. It'll be quite a tight game. Um, I'm going to say that we're going to win 2-1. And just to to really please the Stevenage fan, a Luke Leahy free kick will win it. I'm going to go for a bit of a roller coaster 3-2 win. 3-2 3-2 win. That's going to be a real kind of hearts-in-the-mouth, blood-pressure type game, wouldn't it? Especially there. Um, I don't know. Part of me really wants to represent Dan, who obviously can't be here this week, and go 5-3, but he'll probably tell me off for stealing his pick. Um, I'm going to go... Uh, I think I'm going to go with you, Adam, again. Uh, 2-1. I think it will be crunchy. Uh, I think it will be incident-filled. I think we're going to run out of uh, the ability to count how many fouls are going to be. Uh, I imagine there's probably going to be one red card, so there's a, there's a nailed-on prediction, but 2-1, uh, and we will uh, avenge that horrible defeat earlier on in the season uh, and get the three points for Luke and for Brandon. Uh, Tuesday's opponents are also still fresh in memory, uh, and I imagine in Jack Grimmer's Knackers too. Uh, it's been less than four weeks since our 3-1 win at the horribly named, completely Suzuki Stadium. Uh, Cheltenham have bounced back very well, however, with three straight wins over Cambridge, Blackpool and Port Vale. Uh, the, we, we played these guys four weeks ago and, uh, I mean, the performance, I remember it like it was yesterday, uh, as does Jack probably. Um, what are we going for predictions for this game? Uh, obviously, a lot of football to be played before this happens. So, yeah, let's just jump straight into some predictions. Do you think that we can replicate the performance that we saw early on in February? Um, hopefully, it will be a bit. Uh, it will be a bit tidier than that performance because although it was a good result, it was a different type of performance. Um, it was quite early on, wasn't it? It was like Butcher. I think that was Butcher's debut. Yeah. Um, uh, Labala came off the bench and from memory it seems like ages ago but from memory i think he he tried that shot from like 40 yards out didn't he when he came off the bench i'm sure that was he did yeah um yeah so i think look, a lot of this is going to depend on whether we come through the next two games with a clean bill of health the kind of t- the, the kind of uh teams that he puts out in the next couple of games um but yeah i'm confident of a whim um i'm actually going to go three nil for this uh for this mm. return fixture um, I really hope they stay up. Such a nice little football club. I like Clark as well. He's a good manager. He's not one of these managers. He comes out and shouts and screams about referees. Very, very, very respectful. Um, he's done a really good job since he's gone there. Um, and and I really hope they stay up. But let's just hope that that run um, continues after they've played us and uh, and doesn't include us in that nice run. I'm going to take into account the fact that it's a Tuesday night under the lights at Adams Park, which our record, let's be honest, isn't great. But I still think we're going to win. Just it's not going to go. We're not going to go mad. Two nil. Two nil. I'm actually uh, going to be the the party pooper uh, of of the bunch uh, here. Um, I I'll be happy with a draw. I think we we've got three games in less than a week. It's going to be really taxing. I know that we've got options, but it's tough. 
Um, and given the run that Cheltenham are on, I, I completely share uh, your enthusiasm for Cheltenham, Adam. Uh, I really like the club. Um, and um, they uh, they got off to the worst imaginable start this season. And I think they've done really well to to get themselves back into uh, back into the fight for survival. I think they're a good bunch. I, I Like you, I've got a lot of respect for uh, Daryl Clark as well. Um, I wish more football managers were like him, um, but that's just not the way the game uh, is anymore, uh, sadly. Um, I'll be happy with a one or draw, honestly. Obviously, you know, I'm going to take a win. But I think realistically, I think there are going to be some very tired legs out there um, and also potentially some very sore uh, limbs, depending on how things go on Saturday, because we know that's going to be tough. So, uh, so yeah, a one all draw for me. Uh, lads, that's a lot of football to talk about. We've got a lot of football to watch and potentially book our trip to Wembley. Uh, it's going to be a monumental week in our season and uh, it'll be interesting to see uh, how it all unfolds and how we discuss it next week. Uh, but next week is next week and uh, that will do it. For this week, thanks for joining for another episode of the Heroes of HP12. If you haven't already, please subscribe on Spotify. And if you're loving the podcast, help us out by leaving a five-star review. You can follow us on Twitter at Heroes of HP12. You can follow Adam at APCWWFC, Dan at Dan Clark PR, and Damien at Damo1507. We'll be back next week with more discussion on all things Chairboys. Until then, stay well. And come on, you blues. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.